Welcome to Seat Go Create. We redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry. We share topic stories and conversations that allow us to rethink how we live, work, and lead. This is Tim Winders. I'm your host. And today I'm relocated. I'm still in the passenger seat of our RV Theo, which is my office where I do all my work. My wife is about 20 feet behind me doing her, her things in her office. But we've just relocated. We're just outside of Park City, Utah, and there's snow-capped mountains off in the distance. So welcome to Seat Go Create. If you're, if you're new here, just joining us, we're glad you're here. If uh, you haven't done so already, please go to our website, seekgocreate.com, and uh, give us your best email address so that we can stay connected and you can stay up to date on all that is happening at Seek Go Create. You know, uh, today I, I was doing my research on this guest I did not know that I had a rock star that was coming on to Seek Go Create. I mean, I was just like, I don't know if it's something with my age group or whatever. I was a little bit embarrassed when I started doing my research. I've got Emily Lay. She's the founder of Simplified, a brand of planners and organizational tools for busy women. And she's been featured in Forbes and many national publications. She's got best-selling books out. I love the names of these, Grace, Not Perfection, Embracing Simplicity, Celebrating Joy, A Simplified Life. She's got a new book that I got an advanced copy of. I think at the time we're recording, it was just released, Growing Boldly, Dare to Build a Life You Love. And uh, we're going to have a great conversation about that. So a lot of cool stuff for us to discuss. She lives in Pensacola, Florida, a city that I love, love to visit down there. She's with her husband, Brian, and Brady, and her twins, Tyler and Carolyn. Emily, welcome to Seat Go Create. Hi, thanks for having me. I, I am so glad you're here. And uh, I did, the more I, the more research I, I did, I'm going, wow. I don't obviously <laughs> run in these circles all the time because she's got a lot of great stuff going on. Thank Emily, you. First, first question I like to ask, I gave you a little bit of prep for this, but I, I read the bio and you had so many other things, but I just wanted to kind of get through it quickly so we could have our conversation if we run into each other, either virtually or live and in person, if we're able to do that, and I ask, Emily, what do you do? What do you typically tell people? Well, I'm going to start saying that I'm officially a rock star. I was called a rock star today. <laughs> uh, no, that question actually gives me a lot of anxiety when people ask it out, out in the world um, because I do a lot. I do a lot of things. I would, I would typically tell you that I uh, created a company called Simplified. And we make planners and organizational tools for women. And I get to write books about all the things that we do. Yeah. And, that was a short I, version. It, and I love that because most people, uh, I have done this on the podcast and our listeners know, I have asked that question in 10 minutes later, someone's still giving me their elevator pitch. So <laughs> I, people stop listening at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the simplicity of, of that because it goes with a theme that I would really love for us to weave throughout our conversation today yes. because, and I'm going to, if you're okay, I want to dive right into something Let's that, go. that I meditate on quite a bit, spend a lot of time mm -hmm. in prayer on. It's obviously a topic that's near and dear to your heart also. Why do we have to talk about simplifying our lives so much in the year 2020? 21 or whatever year we're in right now. Why do, why do we even have to discuss that so much? Oh, good question. You know, I think that our world has gotten more complicated and more open. Um, well, 
let's talk about the before times, <laughs> before COVID. Um, more, we were more connected than ever before. We have more on our plates than ever before. We're going in more directions than ever before. And so we can talk about, I like to talk about simplifying things in terms of let's look at the, the mass of what we're involved in and what we're doing. And let's talk about what we can subtract so that we can give our whole hearts and our whole attention to the things that matter most. Yeah. A lot of times people will talk about like, let's simplify the big pile, but you got to do the work to declutter first so that you can simplify what you have left. So I think, there, I think there's a lot of reasons, um, but it's, it's so much fun to talk about because I think it's something that impacts everybody. Yeah. And I, so, and, and the reason why that's important for me, and I've got to give, this is going to age me and date me. And so even to call somebody rock star might actually says that I'm, <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm in the generation before you. I recall a time where I, I've got my phone in front of me, we're on computers where I was not connected. And, uh, and, and I am now a, a, a new grandfather, by the way. And I think about oh. our, our first time, our granddaughter that we've got, she will not know a life that's not connected. And uh, the reason this question is something that I think about is because with business clients, ministry clients that I work with, I know you work with, with women, it seems to me that the complexity has grown, not exponential, I mean, whatever the term is, and it's, there's just a lot coming at us. At us, right now. yes. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Absolutely. And, and from every direction. It's, it's almost impossible to get away from sometimes. Right. Absolutely. So, so when you began, I, I I've, I've actually gone through, I actually read your book, your new book. I read it here in the last Thank few you. days. Yeah. And, uh, and I love the color, by the way, I love all the pastels. You, you see, I'm yeah. wearing a black t-shirt. It's the only thing I ever wear. <laughs> so, uh, you and I have a clash of colors, like right out, right out of the gate. <laughs> Fewer decisions to make. I like it. So tell me a little bit about, I'd love to know the journey and I'm going to, uh, again, this theme of simplification is powerful for me because yeah. my wife and I recognized the complexity that we had years ago. And part of it was forced because of financial situations. Part of it was intentional that we now live, work, travel, and everything we own is behind us. And we have just really attempted to simplify. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit, let's back up to how you came to this message of simplification? You know, um, I have to credit my mom as a kid. She would do things like, well, she was a teacher and she would do things like put notes in my lunchbox that would say, get excited on Saturday. We're going to clean your room. It's going to be so great. And I would be like, oh, mom. But I remember her telling me as I got older that you have to teach kids how to do those things. Kids don't just know how to clean their room or organize a closet or, or that kind of thing. And so she taught me over the years how to value simplicity and how to take something that is complicated or messy and make it something that is orderly and maybe a little bit more peaceful. And so growing up, it was always this thing that I enjoyed doing and something that I would get into trouble with sometimes. Like I would have a master's degree and was like climbing the corporate ladder and I would be sitting in a board meeting back in my, my previous life. And I would be thinking, why in the world are we doing these things? This is so complicated. All the things that we're doing, why can't we just make it easier? Can we just make it simpler and be more effective in less time? And so I, I decided to take that little quirk about myself and eventually create a business out of it. And the simplified planner, which is the big, product that we make and sell was born out of that 
desire that I've just always had to make life easier. Like, can it just be simpler, you know? So, so I know you deal with probably a lot of personalities and, and one of the things that I loved about doing the research and, and looking at the way you think about things is that I, I have that strong desire to take chaos and create order, take complicated things and simplify and, yeah. and actually my wife does too. She actually is an operations expert and things like that. But, but are there some people, I, I don't know how to ask this question even. There's some people that really just thrive in the chaos. They thrive oh, yeah. in the disorder and the chaos. It, have you had any pushback at all? And, and I guess people draw to you that are interested in this, but yeah. talk about, talk about different personalities and the way they, they digest these type topics. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The, um, Adam, I don't think I've ever told this story before, but the, the woman who painted um, this beautiful cover and many of my books covers and does all the beautiful things for Simplified, she and I have these conversations all the time. She's on our team. Her name's Jessa. And she, she says she's a proud type B. She loves, she loves the mess and the, um, she kind of thrives like on the artistic side, the disorder of things. But what she's told me is that she's learned so much from people like me or from our team about how important rhythm and routine and things like that are even if you're a person who does not need to color code, you know, the Legos or whatever. Um, she said that the rhythm and the routine are just something that's very natural to the way that life goes. And when we focus on them and implement them, even if we're not super type A, they really can make us better at what we do, allow us to thrive. So yeah, I, we, we have a lot of personalities, both on our team and with the community that we serve. But I think that this kind of simplification serves everyone as a whole, even if you're implementing it in different ways. Well, I, I agree. And like we were talking about earlier, there's so much in the world that's coming at us. If we allow it to just continue mm -hmm. happening, it'll just continue piling on. But my wife and mm -hmm. I joke with the, with ourselves, sometimes we schedule our spontaneity just so that- can... <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> Yeah. Right, Sometimes but, you have to. When life is busy, you gotta. I just block off time for like this is Emily time. This, Emily's gonna do what Emily wants to do, and I'm not gonna tie anybody's shoes or organize a pantry or do the grocery shopping or write another email. This is me time, and sometimes you have to. So, so one of the things that I, I loved, and I wasn't able to to dive into this book, but I think your first book was Grace, Not Perfection. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I love, well, first of all, I love all those words. I love grace. Yeah. Um, perfection is probably something that ruled me for a, a season of my life. I mm -hmm. started using the words excellence versus perfection. I even have some teaching and things that I did on that. Mm. But talk to me about, because to me, that seems foundational to, yeah. to what we're talking about. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I may ask a few additional questions about it. Yeah, I love that you noticed that. Um, Grace Not Perfection was the phrase that I embraced in my own life when my kids were born. Mm -hmm. I felt like every other person that I knew, every other woman I knew was not struggling. They were, they had dinner on the table. They were able to manage their careers. Their kids were always behaved. <laughs> At least it seemed like that to me. I was the only person struggling. And I had such a deep desire to be excellent, like you said, and to to be able to organize and control, if you will, all the things that Grace Not Perfection 
is and always will be like the underlying message of everything that we, that we do. Because I learned through that kind of 2010, 11 season for me that there is a lot of beauty and joy to be found in the messiness of life if we allow it to be enough. And for me, I very often have felt life, I can't slow down, I can't stop until mm -hmm. everything is in its place and is as it should be. And then I have controlled everything. And if you know, having children, like it doesn't stay that way for long. And so I had to learn eventually that, that there's grace to be had on all of it and that perfectionism can be far outweighed by allowing yourself to find the joy in kind of the journey along the way, if you will. Yeah. I love that saying, enjoy the journey. We, we tell yeah. ourselves that quite a bit as we're doing things. You mentioned the word control. Mm. That is, uh, is an interesting word. I think, uh, you know, at the time we're recording this, we're hopefully emerging. The world is emerging, hopefully from a, a worldwide pandemic event, uh, hopefully. And, and I think a lot of us, a lot of people recognize that they really can't control. Some people can't control much and, and definitely we can't control yeah. the world around us. But were, were you always a control person growing up? Were you kind of like, were you, would you love to control your, uh, did you, yeah. did you color code your closet? Did you, I look at the shelves behind you and I love how <laughs> neat and orderly everything's so stacked up there. I, I'm, I'm digging it. There's symmetry there. There's, yeah. I, there's nothing out of order at all, but talk about control because I think there's personalities that want to control. And I think this phrase, grace, not perfection is what they really need to hear. But t talk to me about yeah. control. Uh, yes, I would love to be in control of everything. Um, it's funny, I, growing up, I was very much a leader and I always wanted to kind of have everything in its place. But that, those wonderful leadership qualities that some of us have can kind of merge and reshape themselves into having issues with needing control all the time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until a couple of experiences in my life where I lost all control that had no control over the situation that I learned that there's a lot of um, things that we can't control and there's joy to be found and lessons to be learned within that. When I was pregnant with my first son, I was, I was 18 weeks along. They told us he could have a slew of issues, uh, disabilities, may not survive childbirth, just horrific things. And I spent that pregnancy that we had long prayed for just absolutely terrified and trying to figure out what I could eat or what I could do or what I could change or how I could pray that would make it flip on its head to be the way it was supposed to be. And in those weeks, I learned to let go and I learned to be comfortable with the unknown, which is really hard for me. And he was, he, we didn't know until the minute he was born, but he is beautifully wonderful. And I would, I would have adored him. I was ready for whatever child was coming into my life, but it all ended up being an anomaly and just um, a learning experience for me and letting go. So yes, I, I do struggle a lot with perfectionism and control. And it's been something that has been a beautiful journey of learning how to find um, the satisfaction and kind of the peace along the way when things aren't always as they as they should be in my head, if the things would just go as I have planned. <laughs> well, I mean, that's where that's where expectations come in. And, and you brought up mm -hmm. something that that I 
it's been a number of years, but I still recall how when we had our first child and and children that it was just like, okay, you think you've got your act together. You think you can control <laughs> situations, but... And and really, uh, your your audience is in in, yeah. in a large way, women and women with children, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And and that is all right. So I'm. Uh, she actually does work for me, but my daughter Dulcie is in that age bracket, and she and I went back yeah. and forth, and we're talking about it. She's the one that's had our first grandchild, mm. and. And one of the things I observe, I'm going to ask you some questions that I observe. And so this is kind of like guy asking question that may not really be able to relate, but I I hopefully can tap into it. I observe that especially uh, women and moms today Mm -hmm. that social media, I'm just really going to generalize, causes more challenges than it helps in that arena. Can you speak to yeah. that? And maybe it, I'll just go ahead and throw the, the comparison game yeah. seems just incredibly anxiety ridden. Uh, yeah. can, can you say some things about that? Yeah. I've had this conversation with my own mom who says, I didn't have to deal with any of this when I was a young mother. I mean, you have images of perfection and I mean, we had a joke the other day that uh, it, was, it was Groundhog's Day. And there was a meme that went around that said, somebody on Instagram is throwing a Groundhog's Day party with Groundhog's Day gifts for their kids. What are you doing? And I, it was so funny to me because I do, I see that on social media. I think what we have, it's all about perspective. Um, I built my business on social media. If, the, if there was no social media, there would be no author Emily Lay, no Simplified. Um, and so I, I almost have to have it in my life. But I would say perspective wise, we have to realize that it's a highlight reel. Um, Mm. You see, it's my highlight reel. I mean, I don't post my huge mistakes that I make and there are many Um, or the hard times on Instagram, but social media is such a, it's such a funny thing. I think what we have to do with social media is be proactive about it rather than just consumers of it being reactive. And so we have to continually cull our feed and cultivate that whatever we're letting into our hearts is going to affect what we put out. And so that unfollow button is really helpful. Following people who build you, you know, make you feel good or make you feel inspired. Um, But I think, I do, I think it's about perspective and it's about being proactive about it. Yeah. And I, I like the proactive because if you don't, it can literally start just piling on. Like we, we said mm-hmm. earlier, I just, I, you know, it's interesting. You're speaking to your mother about it because it, mm-hmm. it is this thing, you know, when she was raising you and we were raising our children, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, we had our circle of friends. We had our friends that had, a, had their children at the time. And that was it. We just compared yeah, it. to them. We didn't yeah. compare to, the super moms that are on Instagram and Facebook and other places that are uh-huh. showing the videos of their ground. I love that groundhog day party. <laughs> That's a thing. Should we be doing that? Oh no, I don't have a gift for everyone. I'm a so. terrible mother. Right. Yeah, <laughs> if, it's gra- if it's groundhog day, it's going to happen over and over and over again. too. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I do, I do agree. Social media, it's like this blessing and a curse at the same time, because yeah. like you said, we, we may not have connected. We wouldn't be connecting. We wouldn't be, you know, putting yeah. this out on our interview, the podcast, they wouldn't exist. And so, uh, I, I like to convince myself that hopefully we want these things to be a slave to us instead of us being a slave to them. I'll, I'll I agree. Admit, 
I'll admit I'm not that great at it either. What um, What's the biggest, and we may have addressed it already, but maybe if it's something else, what's the biggest challenge that you see people facing in today's world, especially in your circle that you you interact with? I mean, we may have addressed mm-hmm. some of it, but anything else that would be a big, this is what people have to deal with and address? Absolutely. I think it's balance. Um, well, I say balance. I don't necessarily think balance is a thing, but mm-hmm. we all say that that's what we are craving. I think I think we are actually craving a lot of things, but with balance, whether you are an entrepreneur or you're raising children or whatever you know version of things your life looks like, we all crave some sort of peace um, where we feel like things are not at odds with each other. And what I love to share with people is that balance for me is about it's, it's like riding a bike. So I just taught my six-year-olds, we have twin six-year-olds, how to ride a bike. And what we said to them is you can lean, you, you need to lean to the left when you need to kind of balance yourself or you need to lean to the right, but don't go too hard for too long in any one direction or you're gonna face plant. And so I feel like that way about life that I have to, some days, like now, <laughs> releasing a book, I have to lean really hard to the left and I'm leaning really hard into work um, or, or I'm arranging life so that work can happen. And then some days I'm going to counterbalance that. And you have to, I'm going to counterbalance that season with leaning really hard to the right. And I'm going to put work aside and I'm going to you know, spend way more time with my family. And so those seasons, if you will, they might, they might look like minutes where you're going back and forth. They might look like hours. They could look like years, but if we're not balancing the season of relentlessly hard work, with relentlessly pursuing rest and nourishment and the filling of ourselves that we have to do, then we will face plant. And so that that's really the message that I hope Growing Boldly puts out into the world, but also that I hope as a society that we can embrace, especially as the world starts to kind of open back up again, you know, like what if we got really proactive, like we said, about the way that we're managing things, the way that we're managing life, and making sure that we're filling up and not just pouring out, you know? Yeah, that's, I like, I love that. And I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I've always, I mean, going back 30 years, I used to teach time management and, 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 and it's interesting time management. We don't discuss it that way anymore. It's more about life balance and things like that. But Mm -hmm. so I was kind of an old school time management guy and we used to always talk about balance. We've been talking about balance now for 30, 40, plus years to date myself Mm -hmm. a little bit. And I agree with you. I think there's times that we may not be necessarily balanced, but we have to correct. We have to adjust. So that Mm -hmm. is, uh, that's, that's excellent. The, um, you know, we've got a, I know we've got a lot of people that would be in the business audience. So I think I would be not doing justice to having a conversation with you if I didn't ask just a little bit about the origin story of, yeah. uh, of your, your whole planner. And I, I read, I've seen portions of it, but maybe yeah. there was some things that I missed. And I think what I'd like to do, maybe is let's just talk about that for a few minutes before we move on to the book is, is tell a little bit of that origin for the audience. And maybe if you could sprinkle in a little bit of if you had it to do differently or if you had it to do over again, would you do anything differently? Maybe we can get a learning point or two from it. Can you do that for us? Absolutely. You know, I've been doing this now for 13 years, which is crazy. 
Um, I started it as a guest room side hustle to have flexibility as a mom. That was it. Um, but when I, back in 2000, so I started in 2008 as notepads, notebooks, stationery, that kind of thing. In 2011, when my first son was born, I was very overwhelmed and looking for some sort of tool that would help me keep it all together. Because like I said, everyone else was doing it. I was just could not. And so I, I, I mocked up what a planner would look like if it was very, very, very simple. I did not need one more thing to overwhelm me. And all the things I could find at you know Target and all those places, they had so many like things to check off and boxes to fill in. I wanted something very simple. I needed my to-do list and my schedule. And so I made this planner. I could have continued the business as just selling an office product. A lot of companies do that. Mm -hmm. They make planners. Great. But I didn't want it to be just that. I wanted and I needed as a new mom at the time and a businesswoman, I needed not just a good tool, but I needed community. I needed education. I needed to be empowered. I needed to feel seen and heard. I needed someone to ask my questions of. And so we have at Simplified, I think this is our secret sauce. We have focused so much attention on equipping our customers so that their planner doesn't just look beautiful on a shelf, that it gets used and it gets messy and you really are able to achieve a fresh start with it. Hmm. Now, from that point, we had an online store and it did great. It was wonderful. It was about 60% of our revenue. Then we went wholesale because as far as we knew, that's what you did. You go wholesale, you get into lots of boutiques and retail stores. Uh, at one point in 2017, we were carried in 800 stores around the world. Sounded awesome in my bio. Living that with infant twins and a four-year-old was misery. Um, and we made the very calculated decision. Um, at the time, I think we had five or six team members. We made a very calculated decision to close the wholesale side, lose 40% of our revenue, and focus all of that attention that we were spending on that, connecting with retail store owners and going to trade shows, focus all of that on like the end the end customer, equipping that woman and doing that thing we set out to do in the first place. And we cut 40% of our revenue. The following year, we doubled our revenue. So by closing that door and taking the risk and saying no and simplifying things, if you will, we made space for the online store to grow, for our mission to be fulfilled. And then a year later, I got an email from ACO, the company that invented the paperclip. And they asked me if we would be interested in taking the sense and sensibility of the Simplify Planner and licensing it to at a glance and having it in giant retail stores. So Target, Walmart, Office Depot, Staples. And not put all the work back on our plate, but just do this distribution thing with them. And it was brilliant. So it's been so fun. We've been able to grow our community without all the work on our plate. If I could go back and do anything differently, I honestly don't think that I would. Um, have I had hard things that I've, de I've, I've dealt with? Yes. I'm, I'm the hardest person. I'm the hardest worker in the room. I might not be the most talented or the smartest, but I will outwork you for sure. That's never been my problem. My problem is that I like to burn myself out. And so if I could go back and change things, I might not burn myself out, you know, once every three years. But I definitely know that the mistakes we've made, some of them with many dollar signs attached and zeros, um, those, those shaped me. I mean, as a leader, as a businesswoman, as an author, as a mom, 
Um, and so I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to say I'm thankful for them yet, but I also have learned so much from them and had the road just been super easy and paved with sunshine and rainbows, I don't think I would have, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And really those are, those are the things that define us anyway. So that's good. Yeah. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm sitting here taking notes and I love, I loved all of that. That's powerful. I appreciate that. One of the things I could, I could definitely tell, and I like to weave this into the business conversation. Not everyone does, but I could tell that you're also someone who their faith plays a big part in what they do. Yeah. And so the question is, let's go ahead and throw that into the the last, you know, 13 years and maybe just share what uh, along the way has your faith, how has it played into it? Um, mm-hmm. Do you weave it in? Do you, I, I don't think you keep things separate. I could tell that you don't, but I guess yeah. just talk about the, the interaction of your faith with business and you, we go and throw yeah. in your, your family person because uh, anyway, just go ahead with that. Take that and run. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny. One of the things that I was just talking to someone else about is like the lies we tell ourselves, the doubts that we kind of mm. carry and how important it is to flip that on its head. I've had many experiences walking into a Target or Barnes and Noble and seeing my book on the shelf next to some very fantastic women who have ministries that are incredible. And I have thought, well, I don't belong there. Like I, w- I was not raised in church. My, my parents are incredible and they're very faithful people, but I was not raised uh-huh. in church and I don't have that to kind of speak from or fall back on. And I, for a long time, I felt like that was um, a weakness, if you will. What I've learned is that I speak to my faith with almost a childlike faith. And it's in a, it's in a, a way that I'm just constantly learning and I think it has attracted people who may be young believers or may not be believers. And that has been beautiful because it's been so important to me with Simplified to make everyone understand that they have a seat at our table, no matter what, um, no matter who they are, no matter what they believe, no matter what, I want, I want our brand to be so inclusive and everyone to have a seat there. And so it's been, it's been interesting. It's, it's so foundational to who we are and what we do. Um, I've had to become more confident in speaking about my faith, but also that kind of journey, if you will, has, I think, invited even more people to come and be part of what we're doing. Um, so yeah, that's my roundabout answer. (laughs) No, no, that, that's good because what I hear when someone says there's struggles, there's challenges, I know that there's got to be something foundational that helps them through it. And, and so I could definitely see that with you. Well, I want to make sure we were able to really dive into the book because I've got notes and some pages turned down. But I I, I do also want to say that you've just not too long ago released a podcast. I actually had about a four and a half hour drive yesterday where we were relocating from Southern Utah. I listened to every episode of your podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I, and I appreciated the conversation you had with your best friend, Kristen. And I just want to say, I'm going to, we'll tease the audience with this i did learn quite a bit about the, about the birds and the bees and <laughs> i wanted to take some notes and i wrote down seeds and eggs we'll just let the audience go check out your podcast go but ha, ha, yeah yeah yeah. So, so you can tell i've listened right um i absolutely it, believe you yes <laughs> yeah what's it been like starting a podcast how you like it oh you know what it's so funny i 
for years, I have had people tell me, you should start a podcast. You should start a podcast. And I have just been like, this is just not the right season. I have either little bitty kids at home or I'm doing 900 other things. And in January of this year, we made the decision to promote someone on our team with Simplified to be COO. And she manages the day-to-day and has freed me up to do what I do best and gave me space to start this podcast. And it's been so fun. Like I have absolutely loved doing something new. Um, It's some interviews, but also some solo. And it's just a fun time to write and kind of flex that muscle a little bit. I've loved it. It's been, it's been great. It is a different muscle though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. In the beginning I had to like be okay with being okay at something like it it was new the the equipment and the, the way that you speak and all the things are different, but it's been great. It's been so much fun. Right, right. So, all right. Well, very good. Well, I enjoyed it. And again, I've listened to every episode you've got up to this had, had up to this point. So uh, <laughs> I encourage people to go check it out. We'll include all these things down in the notes for the episode also. Well, let's talk about Dare to Build a Life You Love, Growing Boldly. I've got my copy here. I appreciate your people yes. sending it. I think at the time of recording, it was just released. So yep. how's the release going? Yeah, it's been great. It's been wonderful. The release was delayed like nine times because of COVID. And so I I started getting nervous about a global pandemic and releasing this book. And it's funny, yesterday, as of recording, this book came out yesterday, um, I just felt so confident that March 23rd was the day that this was supposed to come out, that the world needed this message about what do you do when you feel stuck? Where do you go from there? And so it's been really fun so far. How significant is it for the topic and, and all that you talk about that the timing of it, you know, we're mm-hmm. in the United States for those in the United States, we're about 12 months in to yeah. what I've, I've called it the pandemic event because it's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't think the virus will go away. Maybe we'll start, you know, living a little bit different life here in the very mm-hmm. near future. I know you're in Florida, different States are doing different things, but um, mm-hmm. talk about the timing of it. Yeah. So timing wise, I turned the final manuscript in, at the end of February, 2020. (laughs) So life changed dramatically after I turned in the manuscript. And when we started editing the book throughout 2020, at first I was really nervous as one would be. You turned in a huge piece of your heart, you know, right before everything changed and everyone's perspective is different. I remember thinking, I hope this thing has legs. Like, I don't remember, I don't hope this thing has legs. And we were editing, we're digging in. And I just felt so proud of the fact that I wrote this book on truths that do not change. And it was so important to me when I was writing that it'd be applicable to everyone, not just moms, not just women, like that it was applicable to everyone in any season. And that's why I chose to share stories from not just myself, but other people who have gone up against impossibly hard things and have managed to thrive. Because I wrote it like that, it, when we went to edit, a global pandemic didn't matter. Like it, it still holds so true. And so I think the timing was perfect. Um, I think that it's almost like all along, it was supposed to kind of have this journey to getting to publication and coming out right when it did. I think it's interesting also, I think we talked a little bit about, about it earlier, but because of the time we're in, people have been through, I don't, 
I don't even know if the word's trauma. I don't even know. I don't know how to define uh, mm-hmm. the last, you know, I heard someone say for a season, it was almost like our entire culture was in this state of PTSD. I'm not making light yeah. of people that have actually yeah. had, you know, uh, diagnosed PTSD, but it was mm-hmm. as if people were still, and there's some that are still walking around with this bit of a glaze over their eyes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. How important is it? I've, I think I heard you say something about it on a video I watched, but the word build was important to this book. Talk about that word yeah. and, and, and why it's important now to build. Yeah. Good question. The word build has always been one of my favorite words. Um, in years past, you know how people choose their word of the year in January. I always, I always came back to the word build. It was either about building a family or building um, a home or building a business. Um, I wanted to, I wanted the book to focus on forward momentum, on moving, on not not just being still. Like now's the time to move your feet, and so. I chose um, the word build as kind of the framework of the book, because to me, building means that you have a goal in mind. You have a vision for where you're headed and you're putting the pieces, the big ones and the small ones in place to make it happen. So um, the tagline, dare to build a life you love was the very first thing that I wrote um, as it relates to the book. And then the title, the title actually came after the book was written. So yeah. yeah. So we mentioned some of your other books earlier, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always intrigued by asking about the writing process. Yeah. Um, I've recently finished writing something that was very much a stretch for me. And sometimes I wonder if writing is more about us than the actual person that reads. But um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself while writing this book? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I learned. <laughs> right. I know I learned. So, okay, so my writing process is, I think, different than most people's because I have simplified that I'm that I'm trying oh, to like, run this company. And I, I, the writing process for me, like I have to step away. And to do that, every book has looked differently. But for this one in particular, I took the whole month of January and February off of social media. I needed no distraction. Um, I literally wrote it in my dark bedroom. Like I didn't even want sunlight. I just wanted to like focus because I had this fire in me and I... I wanted it out on the page. And what I realized, number one, is that I had done some bold stuff in my life. Number two, I was playing it real safe in January, 2020. I I had fallen back into a place of playing it safe and I had grown on the inside, but was still trying to figure out like, okay, so you're Emily Bryan's wife, you're Emily Tyler Caroline Brady's mom, you're Emily of Simplified, you're Emily Lay on Instagram, but who is Emily? underneath all of that like that matters and I had changed and not yet gotten to know like who I was in there and so the whole the book has tons of worksheet pages because I think self-discovery and getting to know the big and little parts of yourself where you've been what you've been through what you love nothing is wasted in the making of who you are all those things matter and so we got we have to identify that and what I realized is my my outsides maybe weren't reflecting my insides as authentically as I wanted them to. And growing boldly doesn't just mean building, you know, a great business or a great marriage or a great ministry. It's also about growing as a human and being bold in your decisions and your choices and your words so that you are your most authentic self. And so 
I would say that's what I learned while I wrote yeah. the whole thing. So that's good. So it's, so it's good that that happened and it's going to sell a lot. I know, but I love that <laughs> word off the word authentic and the way you said that the thing that popped in my mind, I heard the word integrity that just popped yeah. into my mind because we live a life of integrity intentionality. I don't know. You, you mentioned peace earlier also when, yeah. when our, when what's going on on the inside with our spirit soul is what's reflected on the outside. And that's, I mm -hmm. think that's, that's excellent. One of the things, I think there was a chapter in here that I read, I loved where you talked about Tyler. Tell us about Tyler. Oh, Tyler's my, uh, technically my middle child. He's three minutes older than his sister. Um, <laughs> And Tyler is, he's so precious. He's a string bean of a kid. He's tiny. He's small. He is the most, he's the most genuine, sweet person I've ever met in my whole life. He has just this thing about him. We always say he's made out of marshmallows and honey and he's going to get away with murder because of me. Cause I just, he can do no wrong, but he's, he's absolutely wonderful. And I think, and you can probably relate to this as a parent, I have different hopes and dreams for my different kids because they're different. Mm -hmm. And I worry about Tyler maybe a little more than I do my other kids. I don't know why. I think it's just because he's just so sweet. And I will probably get in a physical fight with someone one day if they ever hurt him or break his heart. But I wanted to write this book for Tyler because my hope for him is adventure and that he never backs down from who he's called to be and that he works really hard, but takes care of his heart because he's, he's absolutely going to change the world. So this book was written for my six-year-old Tyler. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I loved it. As, as I was reading it, I actually saw our son in some oh. of that because, because there's a, there's a contrast in personalities to, yeah. to the way my wife and I are and, and our son, who's, who's Joshua. He also edits and produces the podcast. So he'll hear this by the oh, way. Hi. Um, just, yeah. Hey, is that he just uh, seemed to me much more sensitive, not as driven in the type A style that we were just lived life a little bit differently. And we yeah. could all learn from that. I strive to be yeah. that way and all of that. So mm -hmm. anyway, well, thanks for sharing about, about Tyler. There's there was a few other things I want to ask. I'm watching our time here, but um, yeah. one of the things you laid out in there was there's a there was a three step: simplify, plan, and execute, which seems to be a little bit of the mantra of your entire organization in many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk about that? And I guess specifically, what happens if people get that out of order? Mm, great question. So I get asked a lot about how do you how do you organize and this is the, the terms people will use with me how do you organize a space a junk drawer a closet and then mm -hmm. great now how do i organize my calendar um mm -hmm. and how do i organize my life in general or what's in my head and for me it, it's a very simple answer they're all the same we approach all of these things the same if you have so let's take a junk drawer go with me here pretend like this relates to calendar head all the things you have a junk drawer and it's full of all the things. We all have this drawer in our house, right? And you want to organize it. Some people would leave everything in the drawer and they would just start putting things in different spots and then they would call it organized. But the next day, what's the junk drawer going to look like? The same way it did before. It's still a mess. Because when you have something that's complicated, 
the first thing you do isn't dive in and put beautiful boxes in or organize it into groups. The first thing you have to do is get rid of the excess. So with Simplified, we call this the ruthless declutter. You have to go in and ruthlessly pull out anything that is not the best, the favorite, or the necessary. Those things get to stay. Everything else finds a new home. You trash it, you recycle it, you gift it, you donate it. So junk drawer, we take everything out. Then we take inventory of what we have. We get rid of the excess. We add the structure and then we put it back in. Okay. So then you're left with only what you need. It makes decision-making easier. You spend less time, you know, rummaging through to find the screwdriver. It just makes it simpler. The same thing happens on your calendar. You have to take, you have to take it all off, take inventory, get rid of what you don't absolutely have to have and put back the rest with some structure. Same thing happens with what's in your head. That, that all has to happen as well. And so I think it's just so important that you first simplify and then you add some structure with a plan or boxes or whatever there is, time blocking. And then you do the thing, you execute, you use the drawer, you, you know, execute the calendar, whatever that is. If you get those out of order, you're right back to where you started, not that far along, you know? So I think it's, yeah, I think it's super important not to try to organize a big giant mess. Yeah, and I, I, I love that because I'm we actually get into sometimes discussions, been married over 32 years, that I love to throw yeah. things away. I give I get great joy from throwing things away. Me too. Sometimes, sometimes more than I should. Well, I'll just go ahead and confess that. But um, <laughs> the, junk door, the junk door analogy is awesome, but I, I think what we've seen is that most people, they have junk drawers where they've just piled so much in and that's what, the way their lives are. Yeah. Do you think that the last 12, 14, 16 months maybe has cleared some white space for people. I'm hopeful. Do you think so? I am. I, I do. I, I feel it myself. And I'm having conversations with friends around this, that as things hopefully start to go back to some semblance of what it used to be, I don't think I'll ever go back to what it used to be. But once we start to see things opening back up, we, we have all as humans been through a collective experience together and I think that we will take that perspective with us into the aftertimes or whatever it is um, and make different choices. I think that we have experienced the beauty, if I can say that word, that can be found when there's margin in our lives. Um, for some of us or most of us, it was forced. And mm -hmm. we suddenly realized how much joy and beauty there is to be found when we're not running at max capacity all the time. Yeah. I kind of, I hate the way it happened, but I love that we were some in many ways forced to pause yeah. as a culture. Emily, there's so many things I'd love to ask because I, I wrote down from going through the book legacy and soul care, but I think yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause with what you just said. I'm going to allow people to uh, get the book. What would, what would you like your reader to come away with from reading the book? Yeah. What would you like for them to get from this book? I hope that people realize that they are worthy and that they're worth it. The hard work, the rest, all of that. Yeah, I love that. So how can people connect with you? Obviously, tell us where to find the book. We'll include all that in the notes, but yeah. how can people connect with you? The book is available in all the places. Um, you can connect with me at emilylay.com. And I'm also on Instagram at emilylay and at Simplified. And then at our new podcast, The Simplified Podcast. Yeah, which is good. I've listened to all that. So, Thank Emily, you. yeah, we are Seek 
go create those three words. If you could, final question here, which one of those words resonates or jumps out at you more than the other two and why? I love the word create. I feel like it is is another way of building, um, building something that we love, creating something that is beautiful or useful. Um, Yeah, so I think that's my favorite of the three. Excellent. Well, Emily, thank you. I appreciate it so much. I know our listener has too. If you have listened in and love this, please share it. And as we always say, go to our socials. We're Seek Go Create everywhere. You could continue the conversation. And we're back here. We drop an episode every Monday. So continue listening in. And until then, continue being all that you were created to be. Mm-hmm.